Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My talkers, welcome to the Lori and Julia show. Sam's Julia, but we've got the one and only... Witch. In studio, hanging out with us today. How's it going, guys? Uh, going pretty good. We are loving life. Yes. We've decided right yeah, now. That's right. We <laughs> really are. Um, by the way, people, we have today and tomorrow, we have two chances. One today, one tomorrow for you to finish the lyric. To win tickets. Thank you, Grant. For the upcoming Billy Joel Stevie Nicks concert, November tenth at U.S. Bank Stadiums, tickets go on sale tomorrow morning. It's so exciting! We get a pro- we get pre-sale Yay. before they're on sale. And somebody won yesterday, and they were so excited. Yeah, it's so so fun. So we're gonna do that today. I don't know what time, so you're gonna just have to listen for a long time. And then also we've got a pair of wild tickets for the January twenty-six games against Philadelphia Flyers that we'll be giving away. And we have an author on today, mm-hmm. The Secret Society of Salzburg, which was excellent. And Brittany, guess where I went this morning? Oh, you won't use. I was just hanging out with you and you hid this. Yes, I hid. I went to, um, I couldn't, yeah, thank you. I got Prince Harry, I got Spare. And um, so, so excited to read this book this weekend. And, uh, I asked the guy at the store, how have sales been for Spare? It'll be number one, uh, the number one book that we sell this week. And Penguin Random House, uh, just in Canada, the U.S. and the U.K., the book has sold 1.4, almost 1.5 million copies have been sold. Are you dying sitting with this Since book? Since Tuesday. Are you dying? I can't, first off, you didn't you didn't tell me this. We've been hanging out for what two hours? I know in the double wide, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you've been hiding this fact from me. Yes. Um. Are you dying? No. Start this book. Are you going to try to start it tonight? Yeah, I'll, I'll start it tonight. And there is a story in the New York Times about how well this book is doing. Um, and it's the largest uh, nonfiction book that Penguin Random House has ever published. And the New York Times reported that it sold more than 1.4.3 million copies in all forms in the U.S., Canada, and Britain, including pre-orders. And we sold the books in every location. The director of books at Barnes & Noble said some people came in right before work, some people came in on their lunch break, people came in after work, but the velocity of sales throughout the last two days has been gigantic. And the magnitude of the sales of Spare puts it here, Barack Obama. 
his A Promised Land on its first day of publication sold 887,000. Wow. Michelle Obama's Becoming sold 725,000 in its It's, first day. So it's beyond. I mean, and then next week, NPD Book Scan, they will print the sales independently and cover the whole first week of sales. But that's not even counting all the other countries. Like, I guess in France, they sold out of every copy in every bookstore. Oh. I mean, <laughs> so we don't even have that. So it is like. Let me see the cover again. It's Prince Harry. We've seen it's the a, cover. Yeah, I know, but it's good. It's, but look at the back. It's good. Yeah. Of like maybe eight year old Prince Harry, and he's wearing little army fatigues and a looks like an army beret, and it says HHH the Prince or HRH the Prince. It's really a cute picture of him on the back. And I haven't even had a chance. I mean, this is a. This is a big book. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's 400 pages. I mean, that's why we're all relying on you to read it. Oh, I can't wait. Well, <laughs> I, I know Julia's listening to it. Oh, okay. She started listening to it? Yeah. He thanks his uh, ghostwriter, this J.R. Moringer. Mm-hmm. He said, thanks to my collaborator, collaborator and friend, confessor, and sometimes sparring partner. <laughs> um who spoke to me so often with such deep conviction about the beauty and sacred obligation of memoir. I mean, so obviously, um, anyway, uh, he, I, yeah, I'm really excited to read it, but it is a thick, um, story and I can't wait to read all of it in context because, um, you know, he's been so, smeared by the British toxic media who would have us believe that he's just, you know, they just take everything and make it just sound the worst. I am so excited. Okay, because again, I'm always a listener first. Um, Everybody knows that. I'm more of a fangirl than I am. I'm always shocked they let me in this building. (laughs) I am so excited. You have to come with quotes. I want Lori's take. I want Lori's rundown. I need it. I'm going to write in, you know, I'll be writing in thing uh, on along this, you know, seams. Yeah, besides, yeah. But also Prince Midas uh, touches what um, um, Kaiser at Celebitchy calls him Prince Harry. Prince Midas touch his late show interview with Stephen Colbert had Colbert's highest ratings in two years. Doesn't I'm, surprise me. That was an epic interview. It really was. You guys had some clips for that yesterday, yeah, right? Yeah, we had yeah. three yeah. good long clips. Oh, so great anyway, interview. so yeah, uh, book book H on more um, talk shows. But as far as I know, that that's, that's, that's all the press that he's doing. Well, it says he's, something. Everyone I know who's watched um, the doc says... Oh, Harry and Meghan. That was so good. They said that they are... They went in. Uh, I mean, most people I know went into it being like, "All right, what's going?" Like, you know, not not that sympathetic, and then coming out being like, "Wow, wow." So, yeah. if that, that fifth episode doesn't cry, you have no, you've got a black heart because <laughs> that one was a kind of a tearjerker. Um, about it really got into just about the whole way this whole a relationship between the monarchy and um, the royal press pool, or as they call it, the royal Rhoda. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, that was really, and that had huge ratings for Netflix. Yeah. And I mean, there, yeah, that's why you go, there is a world where you leave 
And I know that was the big thing is they left and didn't have much support from the royal family. None zip. And I think they're, I think you guys, I think they're going to be okay. Oh, yeah, they're going to be fine. I think they're going to make it. <laughs> I, I think so. But um, anyway, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking uh, forward to reading. I can tell. I'm, yeah. I just, I'm, I can, you're just like holding it. You're, Looking yeah. at, there's no pictures. How dare they? How dare they? There are no <laughs> pictures in this memoir. Just the two, boy Harry on the back and man, man Harry. Harry. I'm sorry to Ginger speak, Ginger of all gingers, can you please find our high on Prince Harry? Do you know that where that button is? I think so, yeah. That little key. I'm Prince Harry. Have you ever heard us play that one? No, I don't no. think so. Donnie Love clipped it for us a long time ago because we just loved it was an interview he and William did several years ago, and they were, like, introducing themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. were just, like, enchanted with, boy, I'm Prince Harry, this whole... And then, of course, we'll never get over Harry Styles describing Don't Worry, Darling. It's a movie about a movie. That's Hi, I'm Prince Harry. Say it again. Hi, I'm Prince Harry. It's so good. So apparently people are loving Harry reading the book on Audible. Loving it. I got some credits. I should drop one on this, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because his voice, he really does have a... Oh, he's got such Soothing, a wonderful... I normally know... Hi, I'm Prince Harry. <laughs> I leave... I usually use my Audible for, like, exclusively, like, murder books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I might take make an exception. Right. All right, very good. Mm-hmm. All right, listen, we come back. It's... um. Two stories we can't get enough of them. One involves Kate Winslet and one involves a housewife. Mm. Hey, everybody. It's Lori here for First Equity Mortgage. It's testimonial Thursday from Tiffany. Um, She was filling out a survey about her experience doing a mortgage or refi with First Equity. And she said, Peter was great to work with. He was knowledgeable and... I appreciated his obligation and warning me of pitfalls. I appreciate that his practicality. I also appreciate that he took the time to make sure I understood the information. He spent hours working for me. It's nice to feel important, and that is how he made me feel. Because, you know, doing a mortgage or a refinance is usually the biggest thing that somebody does uh, with their... um, with their money, and so that's great to get that kind of, uh, and that's how they are with everybody. I mean, they are, they're here locally, they wanna help you, they wanna make sure you're smart. Go to my talk keyword, David, to get started. Thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. All right, so this actually happened um, over the weekend, and I forget, I mean, I guess I forgot that Kate Winslet is an avatar. Me too. I saw it and I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Well, she's one of the blue people. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was doing press uh, um, uh, in Germany, you know, doing it for Avatar. And for some reason, they had a thing where they had um, a, a child reporter, like a nine-year-old have you seen this? No, but I, because you told me about it and I refused to look at it. I wanted okay. to listen to it live. Yeah, she's, uh, I, 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 this girl, she's like maybe nine or 10 or something like that. And maybe it was a school assignment, but she gets to interview Kate Winslet, <laughs> our budding, um, you know, reporter, future reporter. Yeah. And here's Kate Winslet uh, just talking to her. And this is kind of, this has gone viral um, because of what Kate says to her. 
Um, it's my first time. This is your first time? Yeah. Doing okay, well, guess what? When we do this interview, yeah. it's going to be the most amazing interview ever. Okay. And do you know why? Why? Because we've decided that it is going to be. <laughs> so we've decided right now, me and you, yeah. this is going to be a really fantastic interview. Okay. And you can ask me anything that you want, and you don't have to be scared. Everything's going to be amazing. Okay. Okay, you've got this. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I love it. Why does it make me teary? Isn't that just the sweetest? Does she have kids? Yes, yeah, she okay. has three children. Because all that you do, I think, is you go immediately to a place of, how would I want someone to treat my kids? I'm going to think of that the next time Julia and I have a famous person we need to ask a question for, and I get all tongue-tied. I'm going to think, you've got this. You've I don't got, need to be afraid to ask any questions. And you, this interview is going, going to go well because I've decided, decided. it's going to be fantastic. Anyway, I just thought that was super cute. And oh. then, in honor of you, Brittany, our other audio uh, story we can't get enough of is Brandy Glanville was yes. in the clubhouse with Andy Cohen last night, and... Uh, um, just a lot of tea spilling mm. happening. I'd like to start with the Jen Shaw sentence, if we could, where Andy asks Brandy and Michelle Buteau, or Bateau, the other person who was in the clubhouse, if how they felt about Jen Shaw's sentence. Do you believe Jen's sentence is fair, yes or no, Michelle Buteau? I say yes. Is it fair, Brandy? My grandma's birthday is today. She's 95, Grandma Hazel. No, it's not fair. She should do more time. <laughs> okay, you're bringing up your Grandma Hazel because elderly were involved. Yes, okay, she very good. Do more time. Okay. So, Brandy has spoken. I know. And if Brandy's saying it, I, I, I went on you my apology. You forgot about to... all the old people no, that she scammed. I did not. It wasn't. <laughs> I hate you so much. I hate you because, of course, I'm hanging out with my 97-year-old grandma next week. Mm-hmm. I've always How would you know, like it of a scammer like Jen Shaw? Stop. Yeah. Stop. Ugh. Kathleen, I'm on my way. Okay. All right. Uh, Here's the other one where Brandy has to pick between two backstabbers. Oh, God. She who's just... the bigger traitor, Rena or Vanderpump? Vanderpump. Uh, who's the bigger traitor, Heather Gay or Whitney Rose? Whitney Rose. Uh, who's the bigger traitor, Ramona or Bethany? Bethany. Uh, who's the bigger traitor, Marlo or Phaedra? I don't even know what this means, but go on. Um, Marlo. I, yeah, I don't okay. get that either. Who's the bigger traitor, Teresa or Melissa? I'm going to go with Melissa. Uh, who's the bigger traitor, Vicky or Tamra? Vicky. Uh, who's the bigger traitor, Kenya or Candy? Kenya all day. Oh my Dang. god. She, she wanted to say things. Ramona. And like I, that's and, a hard one for me too. Yeah. Because there was a When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, 
Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Point where Bethany act like she was above everybody and yeah. too good for the show. But at the same time, Ramona's the worst. She's the worst backs ever. She just said that because they... Just did a time. show yeah. together. Okay. Um, what else did Brandy have to say? She wants oh, Jen to be spend more time. Didn't think it was uh, fair. And, and and Andy did do. I did hear him on. Um, he's doing an interview, and he's just like about Jen Shaw. She's gone for I, five years. Okay, so I, there's no show for us. The show might be getting put on pause, Salt Lake City. That's how I feel because it, honestly, no, that's the no. But story. I'm just, I'm just telling you that, like, I don't know if. Okay, Lisa Barlow is pretty amazing. Uh, Meredith is maybe not no. mentally there when the show is air or filming or any point. Yeah. But I'm just saying that, like. The, the I don't want to pretend like I think Jen Shaw is innocent. I think she's very guilty. I think she's horrendous. The things she's done. I loved her the first two seasons of Salt That's Lake. That's fine. That's fine. You can but, watch the reruns because this I'll show is to. going on pause. I don't think it has to. I don't think there's much to carry it. I would watch no. a Lisa Barlow spinoff because I love Baby Gorgeous. Okay. All right. Well, let's go back to Brandy Glanville. Let's another, please. Another housewife, and um, she did look just like sexy as hell in the clubhouse. She had some kind of a chain mesh cleavage situation Mm. going on. Um, But you can play either one you want, Graham, whatever you got ready. Let's go with uh, Brandy Glanville and uh, Camille Grammer. Oh, yes, because they're doing a girl ultimate girls trip together. Yep, let's go with this one. Luna Muse from Minneapolis. What's your question for Brandy? Hey, Luna Muse. Hey, Queen. It's so good to see you on my TV again. My question is, where do things currently stand with you and Camille, and are you at all nervous about embarking on a girl's trip with her? You did call her a dumb, useless twat. (laughs) (laughs) Baby. Yeah. So how's that going to go in Morocco? Well, I think that we have a lot of Twitter beefs to squash. Yeah. So, and, you know, that's where that's going. So hopefully, you know, she'll come and not, like, cry over dumb stuff. Brandy doesn't care. Brandy has dealt with so many of these things. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This, I know it. And she can't even keep track. She goes, I think we have Twitter beef. I don't right, even know. Right. Like, and Brandy That's does not take answer. I love it. She's going to come and cry and this and that. And, and like, I love that it was Luna. Moon, was it Moons that he said? Did he say from Minneapolis? Yeah, she's from Minneapolis. Yeah. She's from Minneapolis. Luna. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <gasps> so that was like a very well thought out question. It was very Which is why well. Luna got on TV last night. Good job, job, Luna. We're big fans. Okay, let's play Brandy's talk about her encounters with Whitney Rose at BravoCon. Was anyone rude to you at BravoCon? You said on your podcast that Craig was rude to you. Yeah, he was very um, famous. Okay. Um, And anyone else? Honestly, and this is why I'm going against Whitney. She was very rude, like, to me and Mia, my friend that you know. Okay. She thought I was flirting with her husband. (laughs) Okay. Were you? Sorry. Were you? I mean, are you joking? Okay. <laughs> oh, yay, Brandy. She's and that Craig thing, you can see that for sure. Who's Craig again? He's from Southern Charm, the oh, pillow Craig guy. Conover. And he thinks he's a big deal right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was on Winter House and just No, the shade in that, are you are you kidding uh, me? And like oh. as rightfully so. I Whitney 
Whitney, I, that I'll never get over that sex scene that she did with the paint in her bedroom. Oh, I'm yeah. traumatized. <laughs> That's the same one. Oh, I didn't know that. That yes. makes sense. Okay. That's Whitney. There All right. Go. All right. Listen, when we come back. Uh, we've got a book pick for you. It's The Secret Society of Salzburg. The author is joining us coming up next. Hey, everybody. It's Lori here for Furniture Manor. And if you are looking for furniture anywhere in your house, whatever you might need, maybe you want some new lamps, maybe you, um, uh, somebody wants a new recliner, somebody would like something very comfortable for the winter months ahead, maybe a new pretty bedroom set, maybe you're looking for like a jewelry armoire, maybe you're looking for some beautiful lamps or clocks or a great reading desk. There is such an incredible inventory at Furniture Manor. Robin has a great eye. She gets eclectic things that you don't see at other places, and yet there's all kinds of sensible things that you can get with a lot of choices. Like if you were looking for bar stools or rugs, they've got a great selection and amazing pricing, and you're supporting a local family-owned business. So we like that. Two miles north of 694 and County Road 81 in Osseo. That's Furniture Manor. This is a perfect song because coming up next is a book you're going to want to hold hold you, hold you, close to you. Um, but before I introduce our author, I just want to say that the Loj Book Club is brought to you by the Book Club Restaurant in South Minneapolis. And if you mention the Lori and Julia Book Club, you can, and if you're 21 and over, over, older, you can get a well, we call it a hot toddy, nice. cocoa, you know, apple cider. But add add some some booze to that. Yeah. They've got a good they've got a good hot drinks mess. Oh, that's um, awesome um, menu. So anyway, we are delighted, delighted, delighted because uh, we have um, our latest and greatest book that we just love. The Secret Society of Salzburg is the name of the book. The author Renee Ryan is joining us. Hello, Renee. How are you? We are good, and we love historical fiction, and we did not read your book, The Widows of Champagne. I don't think I've read any of your book. I mean, you've written so many, but absolutely just fell in love with the Secret Society of Salzburg, and um, so we're glad to know you now. Oh, that makes me so happy. I... um you know, there's no such thing as an overnight success. So for some of us, it takes 30 books to get any sort of traction, and others just hit it right out of the gate. I would be one of the not-hit-it-out-of-the-gate people. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, Renee, I would put you alongside, you know, like uh, we love Kate Quinn and um, Kristen Harmel. I mean, you're a very good storyteller and writer, and... If you're a fan of anything that's inspired by true events, the Secret Society of Salzburg was just such a different take on World War II. So if you could give people a setup of the story. Sure. It was, um, I found out about these two sisters. They were called Ida and Louise Cook, and they were British copying typists. They were British civil servants in the 1930s, and they were opera fans. And they sort of fell into becoming opera fans very accidentally. And then they just became sort of almost what we would call today groupies, where they would just travel everywhere to listen to opera and all over Europe. And they started meeting all of the opera, um, the artists and things like that. Like they would wait at the stage door mm-hmm. to get their 
to get their autographs. And that just really inspired me because then I found out they ended up starting to use their travels to help Jewish refugees out of Nazi Germany into England and into America. And the problem was is the immigration was very very tight. They had a lot of immigration laws, and so these Jewish refugees could not get into America and the United and the United Kingdom without visas and help. And these women helped them, and so that is what this book was based on with mm. Ida and Louise. And but my as I started bringing into, I was like, well, I need an opera singer. I need yeah. an opera singer if I'm going to tell this story. And Elsa sort of came to life almost without any sort of um, plotting and she just became she just jumped on the page for me and that's never happened and it really became Elsa's story yeah it, it really does and you know you also made me think um in in reading this because I know Elsa is the you know fictional part of, but I thought I wonder how many people women women or men I guess but like people who got caught up in the Nazi net, if you will, before their real evil becomes known, known more like in the late thirties, they become lovers or mistresses of somebody. And then they end up realizing what's going on and becoming a spy for the other side. I mean, it's terribly exciting. Uh, the, the story <laughs> that you wove about that. <laughs> I, you know, I think that I, I think that I've always thought, I'm a former high school teacher, and, okay. I, and I used to teach about the American Revolution, and everybody that's an American is always, I would have been a rebel. And I'm just like, really? Would you have? Yeah. You know, it would have been so easy to remain a loyalist and just to be a part of the England because that's all you ever knew. Right. And so I started kind of thinking about that when I was writing Elsa who was very Austrian, like to the, you know, down to the marrow, mm-hmm. she was an Austrian. And there were, there was a lot of political unrest in Austria long before even Hitler became to power. That's right. And there was this con- concern of who are we? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, yes. And she fell in love with a fellow Austrian who was quite the opportunist. Yes. It turned out. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's, oh boy, I mean, Renee, now I want to read everything that you've written, because this one was so good, and man, whoever did your cover, and now we did see your news that Costco put you in there, don't miss these great new reads, and you're right next to Spare by Prince Harry. I know, I was like, I am hanging out with royalty. (laughs) Literally. I I can't buy that kind of, that kind of exposure, it's just been so fabulous to to see that Costco made the buy I think it was eight months ago you know the thing about the book business is um, I, I finished this book I was in revisions a year ago on this book and it takes that long before wow. it's in pub on you know actually on the shelf mm-hmm. I don't think people realize that and um, when I found out it was going to be in Costco but I also I think you noticed that I had a December 27th release date and i was just like nobody's gonna want this book it's in between the holidays and then costco picked it up and i was like well maybe somebody will find the book yeah i'm just hopeful that's that's amazing and you got whoever did your cover it's beautiful i mean if people buy books department yeah 
gorgeous. Renee, I have a question. So you write historical fiction and what is it? Do you think it is harder or easier to have some his like the history aspect anchored to that for you? I think um, I'm so glad you asked that question because I think I have another friend who we were, we, we, she and I started as romance novelists. Mm -hmm. And when you write, I used to write historical romance. And when you write historical romance, the history is always very much almost like the wallpaper on the wall. It's very much the backdrop because in romance, it's all about the relationships, Mm -hmm. right? And, um, and I've always been just, I love falling down rabbit holes. I am a history guru. I think it comes back from getting a master's in religious studies and history and Mm -hmm. teaching high school. And the problem with what I notice with a lot of people who are trying to write historical fiction is don't look now, but your research is showing. Yeah. And, Mm. (laughs) And it can really overwhelm the story. So I always say I have to know 100% about the era, but only 25% is going to show up in the book. Yeah, that's very good. That's, that's very awesome. good. Because, yes, you give a, you give us a lot of story, and I like the, I mean, I like the, I mean, we go, we've, I felt like, I, even though I've never been to Salzburg, I felt like I knew what that opera house looked like. I mean, just rich um, with rich with good descriptions and storytelling. Well, do you know um, the connection to the Opera House? And and you maybe not have caught it, but it is the Opera House. It's a real place where but, the Von Trapp family, from uh, Sound of Mu- you know Sound of Music, yes. the Von Trapp family. That was the Salzburg Festival that they performed in yes. when they escaped when they escaped Austria and yeah. went over the mountain. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that, but of course it was. And when you think about that, I love that. And then also Covent Gardens. I never realized that Covent Gardens was the opera house in London. Yes, yes, the Royal Opera House. And the, um, over the years, I think they start they started calling it Covent Garden, the Royal Opera House. It's Got sort it. of interchangeable. It's the, the terms are interchangeable. Yeah. But just, you know, this the two sisters, the relationship between the two sisters, um, Elsa, uh, you know, was just a wonderful heroine. And also, you know, it really, it kind of made me feel more passionate and certain, you know, that every, we need, the world needs to be out loud in their support of Ukraine. Because reading Secret Society of Salzburg, the 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 quiet the silence from other countries when we had intelligence and they knew kind of what was going on it's it's all such a delicate thing that can be happening but you know here i feel like we have a situation happening again with the ukraine and it, russia you are so right and um even our own refugee you know issues mm-hmm. with whether or not you know our immigration and refugees and when i started i I actually fell down a really deep rabbit hole in terms of studying the British immigration laws in the 1930s. Oh, they and didn't want anyone just, coming in. Oh, no, they wouldn't. They, yes, it's it's the nationalism is really the word where yeah. they just would not let anyone come in. And they knew what was going on. And, and it's sort of like I, I think what people don't understand is that everyone sort of in Europe, but especially in Germany and the, and the occupied countries, 
Hitler was very clear, and the Nazis were very clear what their plan was. Yeah. They wanted that final solution. And then there's, you know, a lot of what goes back to when I was teaching or a lot of people even now. Well, why didn't the Jewish people just leave? And it was so much more complicated than that. Right. And uh, it wasn't just that they didn't didn't want to or couldn't or didn't realize that there was danger. It was. I'm Bradley Trainer and I'm Don McLean. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like this: A list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. That they had nowhere to go yeah. and no countries were welcoming them. Right. Yeah, it's just, it just, I always, th- you know, I mean, maybe, maybe that's why, you know, historical f- fiction is is good and important to read because we have people are like, how many stories can there be about world war two? And I'm like, how many lives are there? Yeah, You know, not enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so and, and it's important to remember that history does repeat itself and, and we have to be vigilant and out loud. And I think that, you know, reading your book, that just was something that I took away from it that I, hadn't quite realized because your book is set early, you know, 1938 or whatever year it starts or going back and forth. Right. It's a 10 year span. I think um, the book opens in 1943. Yes. And then we, nine nine years. And then we jump back Back and forth. Yeah. um, The 1934, which is when everything seems so much um, rosier. Yes. Just so much more. Yes, oh, just very rose-colored glasses. Very, and well, Renee, we have to go. We're out of time, but we're so glad to meet you. We're going to keep our eye on you, and we give big thumbs up to the Secret Society of Salzburg. It's just a, a wonderful book to read, and um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. It was just such a privilege. I appreciate your insightful questions. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, look at that, Brittany. All right. I'll call Grant, <laughs> 651 uh, If you'd like a copy, first two, uh, you know, callers, as long as you haven't, like, one last week, please. All right. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Bye, Renee. Yeah. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Lori here for Hammernick's Interior Solutions. And I noticed... Uh, at my club, I got to find out if Hammernicks did the floor, but oh my gosh, it sure looked like in the new um, Pilates room, it looked like uh, the most amazing vinyl, the waterproof wood flooring, and that's the vinyl that just so gorgeous. But uh, Hammernicks has a large commercial flooring and design wing, so you know they work on senior living, condos, apartments, you know, small businesses restaurants, bars, so um, some fun places they've installed flooring, Mancini's, Digidio's, Mall of America, Excel Energy Center. Uh, so if you're a Twin Cities business owner, Hammernix is the place to call for quick installation within your budget guidelines. And you're working at home on a budget, same thing, because they have the largest inventory and always 12% off. That's Hammernix Interior Solution. So there's a reason we are playing this song. But yesterday, Grant, while you were gone and while we were on the air, Jeff Beck uh, 
dies. And we were just shocked because he had just like been on tour with Johnny Depp. And he always, um, you know, true rock and roll guy, just presented young, dyed his hair the same dark shade as when he was in his 20s and dressed the same, you know, just a rocker all the way. It's like my dad and his... You know, his Harley look. I mean, you appreciated the upkeep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we found out that he died um, yesterday and we were like just really shocked. And we've got some a good, you know, audio um, package from the Today Show just about like how what an amazing guitar, you know, guy, God, he was. And I we could tell yesterday because like within 15 minutes of his dying, Mick Jagger had tweeted and Gene Simmons and Ronnie Wood and um, what's his name from Black Sabbath? Omi? I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but all these, you know, all these people. And so, but one of the stories that I didn't didn't know that if it weren't for Jeff Beck and he died suddenly uh, after contracting bacterial meningitis yesterday, Stevie Wonder wouldn't have had Superstition because Superstition is the lead single from Wonder's um, 1972 album called uh, Talking Book. Uh-huh. And as a fan of Stevie Wonder's music, you know, and Jeff Beck was known already by this time from his, you know, beginnings of his career in the 60s. But Stevie invited Beck to play on the album. And um, and anyway, he he is the guy that came up with the lick the drum beat at the beginning, and then this guitar. And the song was going to be recorded. It was going to be Jeff's song. I mean, you immediately, <laughs> it like itches a spot in your brain. It, you immediately know where that song is it's going. Such and it's such a cool, it's iconic. iconic. It's, yeah, I mean, would it be the same song if yeah. it didn't come out that hard at the beginning? No. No. And, and he came up with the backing drum beats and, um, you know, Stevie Wonder. They made an agreement that, you know, uh, that basically um, about recording the album. Jeff Beck told this to Annette Carson in a book that he cooperated called Jeff Beck Crazy Fingers. He said, um, one day I was sitting at the drum kit, which I love to play when nobody's around, and he was doing that beat that you hear at the beginning. Stevie kind of came boogieing in. He said, don't stop. And I'm like, come on, Stevie, I don't even play the drums. And then I had the idea for the lick, and that's and that was his song in return for Talking Book. And I thought, oh, my God, he's giving me the riff of the century. But after finishing the song, Stevie was like, okay, Beck, you can record and release it first, but it ended up coming out on Stevie's album and the rest is history. Yeah. But here's, uh, um, I mean, he just played with everybody, so I'll just let Joe Fryer from NBC tell us the story. When Jeff Beck had a guitar in his hands, the music told the story. Every solo, every riff, every note, the work of an innovative music genius. It's hard to put the finger exactly where my present style comes from. It's just a the years of listening to people that I really was drawn to. Born and raised in England, Beck fell in love with the guitar, making his own out of a cigar box before finding a real one at a friend's house. He said, do you want to borrow it? And I borrowed this real guitar, hollow guitar. And I took it and uh, he never got it back. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't long before his skills catapulted him to stardom, 
Beck joined the pioneering rock group The Yardbirds in 1965, replacing Eric Clapton. The band released some of its biggest hits during Beck's tenure. Just me to the fire. I've been naughty all my life and I don't deserve this. <laughs> A two-time Rock and Roll Rock Hall of Famer, he went on to lead the Jeff Beck Group. That included rising future superstars Rod Stewart and Ronnie Wood. Over the years, Beck would perform with some of music's biggest stars. In recent years, the eight-time Grammy winner teamed up with actor and musician Johnny Depp. The two friends took the stage at concerts and released an album last year. This morning, legends are remembering a true artist. He just doesn't stop. <laughs> he gets better and better and better. Fellow rock icon and longtime friend Jimmy Page writes, I will miss you along with your millions of fans. Mick Jagger calls back a wonderful man and one of the greatest guitar players in the world. And Rod Stewart says, one of the few guitarists that when playing live would actually listen to me sing and respond. Groundbreaking guitarist who always seemed to hit the perfect note. Rock Rolling Stone magazine actually named Beck one of the five greatest guitarists ever. Jeff Beck is survived by his wife, Sam. Okay, and this is from his Associated Press obituary. I, I love this. Um, Beck first performed in Minneapolis in 1966 at the Dayton's department store with the yes. Yardbirds, yes. with Paige, Paige, you know, from mm -hmm. uh, Zeppelin on bass. And then... Beck was last in the Twin Cities in 2015 at the State Theater with the same Stratocaster guitar and hairdo, hairdo, meaning yep. the color as always. And he told John Bream, good genes, thankfully, you know. <laughs> and, and I mean, he, and yeah, he was 70 when he was here. He hit the stage, shades, sleeveless shirt, a gazillion bracelets, the hair the same color. And I guess he was like, it was mind blowing. Everybody that is a guitar person was just like, I'm so glad I was at that show. And he even tossed off his bracelets, you know, at the state that threw him out in the crowd. So somebody's got him. And what else? And then, I mean, Chrissy Hind, uh, Ed, Leanne Rhymes. He he played touched with everybody. I mean, he Buddy touched. Guy, Cindy Lauper, Luciano Pavarotti. He played with Hendrix. Yeah, everybody. I guess he was just like really, and he did Renowned. something called the Whammy. He, um, what do they call it? That he was the Whammy Bar on his guitar. The wee 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 wee. Yeah, when yes. they, the Whammy Bar. He he invented that. Well, but he was known for improvising. He was known for his harmonics, and he was known for the Whammy Bar on his Stratocaster oh, that he could really. It's a beautiful sound. And and Joe Perry from Aerosmith said he is the best guitarist in the world. Wow. Yeah. That's it. So awesome. anyway, I guess Johnny was at his side, and yeah, it was just. Very John Fogarty or John who? No. Johnny Depp. Oh, Johnny Depp, Depp was just that, oh, yes, toured yes, with them. They're yes. big friends. Yes, yeah, yeah, the yeah, tour, yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway. Sad news. But he went out rocking, you know, rocking all the way to the end. You got to love that. Okay.